Have you ever been hurt by a partner? Does love scare you? Is jealousy a big part of your experience? Previous relationships do matter. So make sure you listen to the next episode of Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose as she shares how to learn from past relationships that didn't work to create a new one that does. This is all about manifesting love relationships. So let's get started. Everybody. Welcome back to Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. Today, we're going to talk about manifesting love. And actually, we're not really talking about manifesting love. What we're talking about is relationships. And to be frank, relationships are what makes the world go round. Your relationship with your, your friends, with your family, with your community, your workplace, your relationship with yourself is primary, of course, in all of that. And then we come to love and intimacy and all of those parts of the relationships. Maybe today what I will do is focus on primarily or try to focus primarily on love and intimacy. The bottom line with relationships is the relationship you have with yourself is what is reflected outwardly. And so if you're not a big fan of who you are, if you're very self-critical, if you're, you just have a real downer attitude about what love looks like or what relationships look like, in conjunction with the way you see yourself, then you're not going to draw to yourself any new relationship that's going to be worthy of your time, your energy, and it's going to break your heart down the road. You want to make sure that you're in a good place before you start manifesting something like a relationship. So for those of you out there looking for a good relationship, and now remember, good relationships are what is a good relationship for you. It may not be what your mother thinks is ideal. It may not be what your sister thinks or your best friend thinks is ideal. And that's okay. It doesn't matter. What's important is, do you think it's ideal? And are you treating yourself with respect, with love, and with compassion? And are your needs being met inside that relationship with yourself and with your chosen other, your partner? So let's go right back to basics. When we were growing up, we did a few things. First of all, we observed. We saw what was going on in our households. And if you had a combative set of parents, then you've learned how to be combative in relationships. If you had a single household, a single parent household, which is not uncommon for a lot of kids, uh, where mom and dad split up and you were going back and forth, or you were spending all your time with just mom, or maybe you never met one of your parents. Maybe there was a death in the, in the family early and, and you only had one parent that raised you. That's going to alter and adjust your perception of what a perfect partner looks like. For a lot of girls, they will identify with the perfect partner being somebody like their dad. For a lot of boys, it's somebody like their mother. And if you really pay attention, look around your friend groups at the people that are really doing well in their relationships. Now, when I say doing well in their relationships, there's an ebb and flow to relationships. They don't just go perfect 24-7. If that's what you think a good relationship looks like, then don't get one. (laughs) Because the first time you have any conflict, you're going to run or you're going to hide or you're going to find some means to dodge the bullet. But what you really want to do is take a look at those that are look like they're functioning, they say that they're happy, things are going well, and take a look at if you know their family background, if you know their his parents and her parents, and he's just a nice guy with a bossy wife. Did she grow up with a bossy mom? And was her dad a nice guy? 
So I guess what I'm trying to say is we tend to draw to us what is familiar because that's what we know. And it's the way we parent as well. It's the way we do a lot of things. But sometimes when we come from dysfunctional relationship environments, when we're young, we, to create new environments for ourselves, we want to rewrite that script. We don't want to be our mothers or our fathers. We want to be ourselves. And our needs might be different than those people that were that were around us when we were little. So I'm going to assume that you've had relationships that didn't work. If you're listening to this or that you're currently in a relationship doesn't feel like it's working. You know, even the worst relationship, there's hope. There really is. There's relationships that have all kinds of little things wrong with them in regards to the way they communicate or the way they spend money or the way they choose to dine or the friends they choose to have or the activities they like to do. Uh, You hope that when you meet somebody that you're going to be drawn to the same sorts of things and the same types of activities, et cetera, because you want to be able to do things with your partner. You don't want to just be sort of you're going in one direction, they're going in another one because, well, that makes for an interesting relationship. That can also work. Okay. That can also work, but it takes work. And oftentimes there's an imbalance there. And so I will talk later on about dysfunctional relationships. What I want to talk about right now is yourself and how you present yourself inside a relationship and what your fears are. What are you afraid of when you go into a new relationship or even when you're looking for a new relationship? Now, I got to tell you something. You guys all know that I'm you know, heading into my 70s here and I have never, ever online dated. <laughs> okay. To me, that's a whole new concept. And I understand that it's really important for a lot of people right now. And particularly with the two years we just came through with COVID, there was a lot of places that were shut down. But to be frank, the online dating game was uh, quite active before COVID. It's been around for a while. And there's some success stories. There's some people that have had some really good luck with online dating uh, world. I find that for me to step in with expertise on on how to do the dynamics or how to manage the techniques of the online dating world. I don't have that. I don't have that for you. But what I do have for you is how to deal with you, how you can step into your own powerful center and how you can allow yourself to step past and over some of the relationships you've had that are dead and gone that didn't serve you and why they were important in the first place, okay? So make sure you've got pen and paper handy. There's a lot of things that stop people from having a relationship, and one is rejection, fear of rejection. And the fear of rejection is really big. Fear of being rejected and the fear of, you know, so a lot of people will actually pull the rejection card so because they can see their partner's losing interest or the person they're dating uh, is losing interest. So they'll pull the rejection card and they'll, push them away to protect themselves. Rejection is a painful experience. Uh, I've been there, done that. And I want to clarify something here too. I'm not a marriage expert. I'm not a counselor in that regard. I've been married twice, uh, three times actually, I'm still married. So the third one I consider a success story. The first two, lots of lessons learned. And my first husband's a real good friend. I just love him dearly. I love his wife dearly. We have common kids. We have common grandkids. And we get along superbly, really, really well. My second husband is in the wind. I have no idea where he ended up. 
but which is fine. That's okay. I learned a lot in that relationship too. But what was it that I could take from those relationships that helped lend, lend itself to me today to have a more successful marriage? And this marriage I'm in now, I've been in for 30 years. We've been together. I think 32 years we've been together, actually. So something's working. Are there things I'm not comfortable with? You bet. Are there things I'm not happy with? You bet. Is there a chance down the road, even that I'm at 70, that we would end up in different directions? Possibly. I don't know. But it can happen. So the first thing is, when you get into a relationship, you can't have a lot of expectations. Now, a lot of us hold our own feet to the flame. A lot of us think we have to be perfect. We tend to look at ourselves whenever somebody rejects us or um, walks away from us, says, no, I'm not a ghost us or I'm not interested. Sorry. We take it personally. We think it's our fault. There's something wrong with us. But we wouldn't think that way if we had good self-esteem, if we were feeling worthy and we felt, you know, it's kind of like relationships are kind of like pretty much anything. You're either good at it or, or you're, you think anyway, that you've got to be good at it or you're not good at it. That's not the way it works. Relationships, because it's a dynamic that involves more than one person and you cannot control another person or walk their walk, there has to be a merging of the minds. There has to be a, a, some clarity given, et cetera, et cetera. But the first clarity you require is clarity with self. So are you afraid of rejection? Do you have strange beliefs? Like love just isn't gonna last. It's just not. Maybe there's an abandonment issue that is in your history. People died around you when you were very young. And so now when you really love somebody, you're like scared because you're sure they're going to just leave you. Are you a jealous personality? That's enough right there to push a lot of people away. But jealousy, where does it come from? How did you become a jealous personality? Well, sounds to me like you had somebody cheat on you or somebody let you down or they hurt you in some way that created a jealousy. You know, jealousy can come from being married to someone who's very invested in their friendships outside of your relationship. Uh, somebody who maybe is very sports oriented, who really loves his or her golf. And so they are spending a lot of time on the golf course with their friends as much as they can. So when they get downtime from work or time off, that's where they go. And you feel like if you aren't going to take an interest in that sport, you're going to get left behind. But it's not something you really want to do. Or they discourage you from doing it. That has happened a lot too. So there's a scenario where you have to decide, do I have enough self-love or self-worth? Do I know how to love myself enough? Can I learn to trust myself and know I'm good enough that I can be comfortable with them on the golf course all the time and then really make quality time when we are together and create an environment for myself that I'm really happy in. So this actually touches a little bit on my own relationship because my husband is very much a boy's boy. He really loves his buddies. His friends are his world. And he also loves golf. So I've, I joke around all the time and for the last 30 years have joked that I'm a golf widow. Um, he will go golfing before he will do anything else. He, golf is his thing. And, and I have learned to develop a healthy respect for his golf because through my neediness, which of course I've been divorced twice, remember, through my needy little self, I learned that seeing him happy gave me the opportunity for some downtime in the relationship for me to do things that made me equally happy. We do have very different interests. 
but we also have some very strong common interests. For example, we love to travel and we love to travel to similar places. Uh, when I went to England to go to school, I studied for the, the couple of weeks that I was there. And then uh, David, I met David at the airport at Heathrow and we spent uh, the next, I think it was a month, touring Europe. We went to Spain and we, we did all of London. I, we just had a blast. So there's something there that we had in common that was a lot of fun. We also went to the Channel Islands to meet Dave's family that he has there because that's where his ancestral home is. We did a lot of really, really fun things. So we have something in common there. We love to travel. Now, getting back to the Gulf, what I love to do is I love downtime for myself. I love to bake. I love to cook. There's all kinds of things I really enjoy doing. And I will do those things when he goes golfing, or I might go for a walk, or I might call up a friend and go for lunch, or I might, there's so many things that I can do. The other option is I could just sit here and moan and groan and whine and whimper because he's gone golfing. Now, let me tell you something. I didn't learn how to do this overnight. It took a few years because I also wasn't crazy about some of the friends that my husband was golfing with. Well, those guys have fallen away now. And the guys that he does golf with are just dynamite. They're good people. They also are married. They have strong relationships and they are respectful of myself and themselves. So there's that too. If the people that your husband is hanging out with are contrary to your relationship and not supporting it, that can be detrimental. So if there is something that your partner likes to do and that you'd like to support them in doing, you have to first really love yourself. And having great communication with your partner about how you feel really helps. A lot of times it creates a fight. It causes a lot of ambivalence. It creates a lot of contrast, but it also brings results. We as humans, you've heard me say this before, don't learn through easy. We learn through conflict, contrast, and challenge. So that's just one of the little issues. And do you think we don't have any other issues? Of course we do. We, nobody makes it 30 years in a relationship without trying to resolve other issues. And even now we talk about retirement. We both have a different plan. We both have a completely different plan. We'll see where it goes. I'm not worried about it. And he's not worried about it. We'll just see where it goes. The, the uh, upside is that we are really good friends. I really love him and he loves me and we'll, we'll see where it goes. But in your particular case, it's important to understand your significant others cannot be your end-all be-all for everything in your, in your need bucket. You have to provide some of your own joy. In fact, you have to provide all of your own joy and then enjoy your partner when they're with you. We have this idea, if you clench your hands together right now and link your fingers and clench your hands together, you can see how intertwined your hands are. And if you try to pull them apart without unclenching your fingers, you can't get them apart. They're stuck, right? Now, un unclench your hands, which means you have to release your fingers, one partner, the other partner, and then bring your hands together so that they're meeting, they're together, they can hold each other, but there's a gentleness there. There's not that grasping or that clinging that goes on. And you can move your hands apart anytime you want to. The clinging together is no good for a relationship. The hands coming together and moving at will is good for a relationship. But if you have a jealous personality, or if you're very insecure, you are not going to have a lot of fun inside a relationship. You're going to want to hang on to them. You're going to want to put a leash around their neck because you really want to be able to 
um, hang on to them. You don't want to be left and you don't want to be deserted or abandoned. And if you have really good self-esteem, you will allow them to walk their walk their way and you walk your walk your way. And should the two of you decide that one day, oh, well, this is done. Okay, it's done. Be okay with that. Our culture is very busy being bitter. Um, there's a lot of breakups that I've seen where people come out of it and they're bitter and their partner's bitter and there's animosity and there's anger and there's frustration and there's sadness and there's all kinds of things. It's true. You're not going to be, when you've had a long-term relationship and it goes by the by, there's going to be some emotions. Of course there is. But the better you feel about yourself, the better you're going to survive it. The challenge you have is, and that we have in our culture, is that the first relationships we had when we were younger often ended in some type of contrariness where we are wounded and the other partner's wounded. It doesn't matter who left the relationship, you're both wounded. And we carry those wounds forward into new relationships and that doesn't serve us. So, so what I'm suggesting to you is you want to learn to stand up for yourself in your loving relationships and you want to be able to be strong. So get a pen and paper and write this stuff down. You want to remember, I know a lot of people break up in a relationship and they throw it away and say, well, that was that and it's done and it's over and I'm not even thinking about it again. But it's very important that you address the end of that relationship to determine how did it end? How did it end? What was the end of the story? And write it down. Write it down. And if, and if that wasn't a very long relationship, then go to the one before that as well and write it down. How did that one end? And then I want you to go to the very first relationship, romantic relationship that you ever had when you probably were in high school or just afterwards at college. I want you to write down how that relationship ended. That relationship is very often very significant in how we move ourselves forward and how what we bring forward into relationships. For example, and I'll give you this example because it's really hilarious now. I was in a relationship with a man when I was 17. And I was, I was an old virgin, by the way. I was, I was, there was no sexual encounters with him or any of that. But I was in love. Oh my gosh, I was in love. And I was in love with him for about two years. But he broke my heart. He ended up, um, well, cheating was a, a part of his game. That's what he did. And he was blonde and blue-eyed and handsome. And I just thought he was the end of the world. I really, really loved him. And what happened was he ended up going off with somebody else. And I ended up going off and crying in my pillow and not allowing myself to not allowing myself to heal. I just carried the wounds around for a long, long time. And I promised myself somehow, some way along the way, that I would never, never, ever date a blonde haired, blue eyed man. That sounds trivial. I know that sounds really insignificant, but it matters because I literally, the rest of my life, I would not date a blonde haired, blue eyed man. And <laughs> I married a dark haired, dark eyed man. My second husband, dark haired, dark eyed man. And then my third husband, as I now am starting to heal from broken relationships, healing from these divorces and these marriages that didn't work, healing from those wounds. I met my, my current husband and guess what? He's got blue eyes and blonde hair. Not much blonde hair because he's actually bald, but he would have blonde hair if he wasn't bald. Blonde hair, blue eyed man, go figure. 
I promise that. And that was a promise. I mean, what kind of promises have you made to yourself from that first relationship or that last relationship or the one just before the last one? What kind of promise did you make yourself to tell yourself, I'm not going to ever pick that kind of man again or this kind of man again, or I'm going to look out for this, this trigger, or I'm going to look out for that. Or how do you come to terms with being able to move forward and look for a really strong relationship without, without shooting yourself in the foot? I mean, there was probably some really nice blonde haired, blue eyed men out there. And I got to tell you, I got a thing for blonde haired, blue eyed men. I really like them. (laughs) I think it's, they're very sexy. And, but the funny thing is I wouldn't marry one or go out with one again after that relationship broke, broke up. So what have you done to yourself and get to know how those relationships ended. And then what you want to do is you want to start exploring how you relate to love. How did you relate to love as a child? Again, going back to your parents' relationship. Do you like the relationship they had? Write down the high points of what they did and write down the low points of what they did. And if your mother was a single mom, write down how she taught you about love, what love meant to her and how it translated for you. And if you happen to be raised by a single father, same thing. Okay. Um, and are you dating people that are just like your parents or are you just like one of your parents? Okay. So now you want to ask yourself some of the hard questions. You've done this little bit of homework. If you don't do this homework, guys, this isn't going to work. So do the homework. Okay. (laughs) So do you deserve an intimate relationship? And is that a yes or a no? And if you do write it down. Yes, I deserve an intimate relationship. And and now we're going to, you hear me talk about um, affirmations all the time. Create an affirmation to support that. So um, I deserve an intimate relationship. Doggone it, I really do. I've learned so much and I've worked so hard and I believe in myself and I love myself and I look in the mirror and I think I'm a little haughty. And yes, I deserve an intimate relationship. Then create an affirmation to support that. Affirmations, once again, first person, present tense, positive statement. Okay, got that? First person, present tense, positive statement. So let me give you an example. So you're saying, yes, I deserve an intimate relationship. Your affirmation might be, I am lovable and I'm worth knowing. Ooh, that's a good one, isn't it? That's directly from Louise Hay, by the way. (laughs) That quote, that affirmation is a quote from her. She created that affirmation. Then ask yourself this question once you've created and done that. Am I afraid to love? Are you? There's a lot of intuition here too, by the way. And I'm going to go into another exercise that hopefully I can fit in um, so that this isn't too long for you. Are you afraid to love? Yes or no? And if you say yes, um, I'm afraid they'll cheat on me or I'm afraid that they're going to leave me or I'm afraid I'm not good enough or I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid. Then what you want to do is if your answer is yes, I'm afraid to love, create an affirmation to counteract that. And the affirmation can be I'm always secure in love. I feel secure when it comes to love. Create your own affirmations. I'm just giving you these ones just so that you've got some help with it. Okay. So, and then the next step for you is what do you criticize yourself for? And write down what you criticize yourself for. Do a list, do a whole page. I criticize myself for bang, 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 go crazy. And then on the next page, I praise myself for bang, 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 and do the same thing. Take your time doing the praise one, because a lot of people find it real easy to write down the negatives and they have a lot of trouble writing down the positives. 
So what do you criticize yourself for? And what do you praise yourself for? Now you've got a little bit more clarity around who you are. I'm going to give you a different exercise. You want to get four pieces of paper. On the top of one, write the word emotional. On the top of the second, mental. Third one, physical. Fourth one, spiritual. And what you want to do is go to each of those and create a list of your perfect partner. Remember, not your mother's perfect partner, not your father's perfect partner, not your friend's perfect partner, but yours. This is only you can do this. You can't even go to somebody else for help with this. You've got to do it yourself. So you create your perfect partner. So in the, let's use physical. I'm a really shallow person. I always have been until I started doing spiritual work and I became a little deeper, but I was always drawn to the good looking guys. Okay. It was always about physical. And so I ended up in relationships at times that didn't serve me emotionally or mentally or spiritually. And um, even in this relationship, I mean, now there's a few challenges emotionally, mentally, and spiritually because I was drawn to his physical aspect because he's, he's a hottie. <laughs> okay, enough of that. All right. So what you want to do is go to the physical, for example, and create a list of all the physical attributes that you like in your perfect partner. Some people want a tall partner, short partner. Some like blue eyes, brown eyes. Some prefer to have uh, somebody that's a bodybuilder type, somebody like lean tennis player type. Um all the physical attributes, nice teeth, nice hair, nice eyes, dimples, if that matters, uh, muscles, if that matters, uh, for a woman, long hair, short hair, if that makes a difference to you, blondes, brunettes, whatever, however, create that list. And this is for you specifically. And then emotional set point, your, your emotional uh, perfect partner. What's the emotional perfect partner look like to you? Do you prefer somebody like, I don't know what your relationship is with your family, but um, maybe you want somebody that's a little detached from their family because you're so used to your family being in your business all the time and you don't want that with your partner's family. Maybe you prefer somebody that's a little more removed from family. Maybe you want somebody that's really close to their family. Write it down, that go in the emotional column. You want loyalty, of course. You want love, you want trust, you want respect, all of those. But play with that list and create it. Same thing with mental. Now, mental would include things like their act, their economic status, their income level, their um, their interest. Do they like to hike? Do they want to just sit and watch TV all the time? Uh, do they like dogs? Um, uh, do they like to cook? Uh, are they are they fun to talk to? Are they interesting? Um, what kind of a uh, what kind of a person are you looking for? Somebody with a great education, or are you looking for somebody that's just been maybe maybe they've been involved in um, kind of learning their way on their way up the social ladder and the adulting, and they never really got a secondary education or you know they're not doctors and lawyers but they are really proficient in what they do maybe you prefer somebody that's on the road a lot like a long haul truck driver that type of personality or that type of character maybe you want somebody that is doctor lawyer look, looks at has has a lot of education and some degrees behind them identify those and then spiritual same you want somebody that's close to the church somebody that grew up in a church you want somebody that doesn't have any kind of connection with church do you want somebody that's got more of a holistic view do you want somebody that really likes the idea of talking to psychics do you like somebody that is using their own intuition or trusts their intuition or even believes in their own intuition does it matter to you make that list so now you've got your four lists it's going to take you a while to do them don't try and do them all in one day you got your list. Now, taking a fresh piece of paper, and on the top of the that piece, you put, my perfect partner is. And then you list the physical attributes, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual. And on the bottom of the page, you put, is on his or her way to me now. And I'm so excited. Whew. 
That was a lot of work. And now you can just let go and you can allow yourself to enjoy this relationship that's coming to you and know that that partner's coming to you and they're looking for you too. You put that piece of paper away, look at it once or twice a week, let it make you smile, have no expectations, just have a knowing that the universe is going to deliver to you exactly what you've got down on that piece of paper. And uh, let me tell you what, that exercise works. Okay, I promised you that we were going to pick a card. Now, the card that I'm picking for you today is from the Romance Angels. And the Romance Angels are really kind of an interesting, uh, it's it's all for the people that are madly, crazily in love. And I'm going to pick a card for you that you can all trust and believe in. So here we go. And the card is... There's actually two cards here. I picked two at a time. So, all right. So for those of you in relationships already, true love, this is the romance of a lifetime. Does it feel like it's broken and you're always arguing and stuff? Then get to work. Work on yourself first. Your relationship will heal some of it. Maybe you're not supposed to be there forever. I don't know. But make sure you're not hurting and hurting yourself and damaging your own self-esteem in the process of building a relationship. For those of you, all the rest of you, and anybody that's also in a relationship, there's a card, free yourself. It's time to take back control of your life. Never give away your power, people. It belongs to you. Use your intuition. When we are drawn to somebody is attractive to us, well, sometimes that's our intuition speaking really loudly. Thanks for popping in. Until next time, Darren Rose signing off. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. If you love listening to this podcast, we have one little favor to ask you. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you love learning from Sharon, well, she's got a few great courses that are ongoing. Why don't you register for Kitchen Witchin? It's on now. All you have to do for more information is go to kitchenwitchin.ca. Or if you'd like to book an appointment with Sharon for a reading, or if you'd like to know more about Sharon, her psychic services, coaching sessions, and more workshops, go to SharonRose.com. That's Sharon with a Y. We'll talk to you next time.